This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, New Life. My name is Christy. I'm one of the pastors here. I've been here for a little over a year now. And even though I've been here for a year, I still kind of feel new. Um, My very first day in the office last year was the day that the world shut down because of COVID. I remember waking up that morning, going to work, being so pumped to start my new job, start my new life. And as the day unfolded, we were sitting in meetings and just watching the announcements roll out that everything was being shut down. Um, And so it's been a year. Um, But this last, in the last one or two weeks, we have been able to reopen our offices and move in. And I got an I got an office, and it was great. They said, "Christy, this is yours." And so, um, it's down at the end of the hall. It has lots of windows, and I went to go check it out. And you know, Ron and Angela were telling me about all the different people who have used this office over the years, and you could really just like see all the different things that this office has collected over the years. There was like blue paint on one wall, there was brown paint on another part, there was chalkboard paint on another wall. And so as I stepped in, I removed almost everything from the office because I love minimalism. And I would actually consider myself to be a minimalist or at least an aspiring minimalist Um, because it's just really hard for me to work in a disheveled space. Um, I love The Minimalists. For those of you who are unfamiliar, they're these two guys, Josh and Ryan, and they started this movement of simplicity. And Ryan has this famous quote. He says, clutter is the physical manifestation of what's going on inside of us. And then Josh is famous for saying, Letting go is not something you do, it's something you stop doing. And so they just kind of explore ways to live more intentionally, decluttering your life, decluttering your schedule, decluttering your finances, so that you can focus on the things that are the most important to you, the things that bring you the most joy and fulfillment. And these two guys have inspired me on my journey. So I pulled out all the office furniture that was in there. It had been collecting crazy stuff. There was like four or five filing cabinets in there. There was this huge desk. There was a bust of Abraham Lincoln. There was um, (laughs) these big felt boards that said love. There was toys. There was like old paint cans and maybe three or four different chairs. So my girls, my kids came to work with me one day and we painted the whole entire thing white took everything out. Um, Shout out to Rich Denny, who was on the roof working that day. And I said, hey, Rich, do you mind cleaning the outside of my windows? Because they were covered in cobwebs and they almost looked like they had a brown film on them because it had been forever since they had been cleaned. And so shout out to Rich. He cleaned them up and made them look amazing. Um, And Joel and I searched for uh, unused office furniture from around the building. So we brought in a small desk, an office chair and a black couch and that's it. And my office looks great. It's um, all I need. Um, It made a huge difference for me. You know, before it was a difficult environment for me to work in, but making a few simple changes made all the difference for me. And sometimes 
we can feel like that office at the end of the hallway going, God, how did I end up with all of this unnecessary stuff in my life that makes it harder for me to connect with you? This clutter that like slows me down, makes it hard to focus on the things that are the most important things so that I can be productive. Um, so right now we are in a series called Revolutionary and we are looking at the life of Jesus. Jesus changed the world. Uh, he was a revolutionary and he's still doing it today. Jesus was loved and he was hated and he sparked controversy and he inspired devotion. And his words are still stirring the hearts of many and he has ignited a fire that still burns bright today. So today we're going to look at a passage where Jesus comes in like a minimalist tornado to take down any obstacle that sets itself up against the purposes of God. And he wants to come in and he wants to remove all of the unnecessary and harmful things that are getting in the way of people's connection to him. Okay, so our story starts with Jesus riding into Jerusalem, and he gets this king's, kingly uh, procession. It's, uh, it's kind of in the style of how the great kings of Israel would have ridden into Jerusalem. So um, people are waving branches, and they're throwing their cloaks out in front of the path as he walks. And they're, um, they're saying, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. Okay, so Jesus goes into the temple he takes a very careful look around, and then he takes a walk back to Bethany where he was staying. Now, this walk was a six-mile walk, and he goes with his disciples. Uh, he stays there, and it's not long before they make the trek back to Jerusalem. And this is when our big minimalist Jesus tornado moment hits, okay? So um, verse 15, when they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. All right, so Jesus is upset because the people were coming to the temple to worship and they were being exploited by the merchants and the money changers. And these merchants were overpricing everything. They were overpricing the offering that people needed to buy to make their offering to God. And the money changers charged these unfair, crazy high prices, high exchange rates. It's like, you know that feeling when you go to Disneyland and you pay $20 for a bottle of water? Like that kind of prices, right? So the priestly aristocracy profited greatly at the expense of the people. 
And I just want to pause for a second here in the story, because when you read this story, this is Jesus fighting for us. This shows you the lengths that he would go to to tear down any wall to get to us. And his love for us is absolutely incredible. It is protective. It is fierce. It is pure. And he still feels that way about you today. Jesus wants a pure, uncomplicated relationship with us. The same kind of relationship that he fought for in the temple is the same relationship he wants for us today. So today we're going to look at three lessons that we can learn from Jesus to better partner with him in removing these unnecessary obstacles from our lives. All right, so the first lesson is this. Look at your life carefully. Look at your life carefully. In verse 11, it says, So Jesus came to, the, to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left. Okay, so he, he didn't just storm into the temple and make this rash judgment or decision um, about what stays and what goes. He looked around carefully. This was a very calculated move on Jesus' part. Um, he thought about what was standing in the way between God and his people. And this is a great question for you to ask yourself today. Uh, Jesus is saying, okay, this is your office now. Do you want all this junk in here? And sometimes it's sin and rebellious attitudes that need to go. And sometimes it's just decluttering the path uh, to the grace of God that needs to go. And I don't know what that is specifically for you, um, but you do. So let's take out the junk today, okay? Let's commit to being minimalists together. And it starts by asking yourself, am I creating unnecessary obstacles for myself and others to get to God? Am I profiting from these obstacles? Is there anything standing in the way between me and God? Am I depending on God or am I depending on other stuff to save me and satisfy me and make me a good person? You know, it's hard to depend on God sometimes because we want to be independent. We love our independence. And sin at its root is rejecting God's help. Just saying, okay, no thanks, God. I don't need you on this one. But the reality is, is that you and I could never get to God on our own. And that's the beauty of Jesus. Jesus came. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't. And he sacrificed himself on our behalf. So now, when it's time for you and I to stand before God and give an account for our lives, God doesn't see our imperfect life. He sees the perfection of Jesus, and that is what covers us. And we have to remind ourselves of this grace every day because these little thoughts kind of get in there, just like old office furniture, just kind of collecting um, thoughts like, God, I messed up. So now I have to wait until I stop messing up before I can come to you. Or thoughts like, okay, God, um, I've done enough good things now to cover the bad, so now I can come to you. But that's not living in the grace of God. That's old office furniture. And thank God for Jesus, because we can come before the throne of grace boldly because of Jesus, not because of anything that we've done. Just like throw out that old office junk. I have to remind myself of Jesus's grace every single day. 
God's answer to sin is not a checklist of things that make me worthy enough. It's pure grace. And God's grace empowers us to be who he calls us to be and do what he calls us to do. And it's not a earning of God's favor, but it's a response to the favor that God's already given us. So my prayer is just like, God, I need the grace of God this morning. God, I, I humble myself and I confess my need for you and my dependence on you. God, would you just look around carefully at my life and help me to see, like, if it's not from you, God, throw it out. You with me? So the second way we can remove unnecessary obstacles from our lives is through healthy deconstruction. All right, let's talk about deconstruction for a second because it's a popular idea right now in the world of faith. And deconstruction has its place in every generation. And we see this, like, um, even when it comes to non-spiritual things, like when in life, when we're young, uh, we learn and we accept the things that our parents teach us. And then as we grow into adolescence, maybe we change a bit and start to rebel a bit and we think we know what's best and we start to form our own beliefs and opinions and we do away with some of the things our parents taught us that don't hold water to us. And there comes a moment where the things that we were taught, we have to decide if we're going to continue to hold on to them or not. And this can be a very healthy, normal part of life, a normal process. And we see Jesus having a deconstruction moment here in the temple. He is um, confronting the corruption of the religious leaders with the truth that comes from God through the scriptures. So Jesus uses the scriptures to critique the injustice of the religious leaders. In the temple, human traditions had replaced God's truth over time. And those human traditions is what Jesus came to deconstruct in order to restore God's truth. And this is a healthy model of deconstruction. And we have to remember that this kind of deconstruction is why they killed Jesus. Now, trending in our culture today is a different kind of deconstruction. And this is the opposite of what Jesus shows us. Because it's a deconstruction that uses the world, it uses culture to critique the scriptures. It's a deconstruction that looks at culture as the highest authority And then it filters God's word through the lens of what culture says. And over the years, I've seen many friends lose their way. Um, And it's heartbreaking. And it's not Jesus's heart for you. Healthy deconstruction is part of a bigger process. The goal is not just to like tear everything apart and leave you with nothing. It's to remove what's false in order to embrace and grow into what's true. And the point is not to stay in a place of indecision forever. Um, The scriptures are not there to create confusion, but to elicit a response from us. So when Jesus comes into the temple, he's saying, stop replacing God's truth with human tradition and start connecting with God. And when he comes into our lives, he does the same thing. But we don't always like being brought to a decision. We want to stay in the land of, God, you know, let me think about it for a little while so I don't have to commit, so I don't have to pay the price of following you. 
you know, I want to push this decision off, but Jesus is actually trying to pull us into a decision. Healthy deconstruction is saying, Jesus, I love you so much that I will tear down anything to get to you, right? So let the scriptures guide you and lead you into the deep wisdom of God. And if something doesn't make sense or seem right in scripture, don't throw it out. Dig deeper. Ask for help. Hold on to integrity as you search for the correct interpretation of passages by asking questions like, okay, what did the original author mean when he was writing this? How would the original audience have understood this passage of scripture? But whatever you do, don't twist the scriptures to fit the world's agenda. Scripture is full of paradox and tension. And as we mature, we learn to embrace it because we trust in God's good heart, that he loves us, that he's careful with us. You know, sometimes God does tear things down, but he always rebuilds something new and better and more wonderful than what we had at first. God takes out all the old office furniture, but then he brings in the new stuff. And if you are in a place where you are deconstructing your faith, please, please don't walk through that alone. There are people at New Life who would love to walk with you as you process, join a community group, talk to a pastor, or find a friend whose faith that you trust. Uh, But don't walk it alone. We are here for you as your family. The third lesson that we can learn as we partner with Jesus is to make our lives a prayer. So once we have all of these unnecessary obstacles out of the way, we make room for the new. And we make room for the heart of God, which in this story sounds like this. Jesus said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So the temple used to be a building where Jews would go to worship. um, But Jesus, when he came, he actually tore down the obstacles between us and God. And now when we enter in this relationship with Jesus, we are the temple. 1 Corinthians 1.6 puts it like this. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So now we are the temple. We are a house of prayer for all nations. And my prayer for new life is that Jesus' declaration will be true for us as a church, that we would be a church that connects everyone to Jesus, regardless of where you're from, what your background is, what your station in life is, that as we gather, our lives would be transformed by the truth of God, and that everything that we say and do would be a prayer offered up for God. So when we sing, when we give our offering, when we lean into God's word together, when we lift our hands in prayer, you know, when we go to work on Monday morning, when we love our friends and our families, let our whole life be a prayer to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. And don't be one who scorns prophecies, but be faithful to examine them, 
by putting them to the test and afterward hold tightly to what has proven to be right. Avoid every appearance of evil. Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy, and may your entire being, soul, spirit, and body be kept, be completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. The one who calls you by name is trustworthy and will thoroughly complete his work in you. So here are some questions for you today. What is Jesus inviting you to look carefully at in your life? Like not in fear or shame, but in hope because he is leading you into grace and he loves you. Um, What's some healthy deconstruction that Jesus wants to lead you into? You know, where does he want to help set you free from some of those obstacles that are getting between you and God? How can your life be a prayer that draws people closer to Jesus? I'm here to encourage you this morning. I just want to encourage you that God will never lead you into confusion, that he absolutely loves to give you wisdom. All you have to do is ask for it, and he loves to give it. And he wants you to choose life. He is rooting for you this morning, not to remain in obscurity. Um, and that's as exciting for me because I believe that we are moving forward into the bright future that he has for us as a church. So let's pray together. Jesus, we need you this morning. Would you come? Would you make our lives a prayer to you? Would you wake us up to the, the new things that you're doing in our lives? Would you come and illuminate our path forward and remove anything that stands in the way between us and you, Father? We want a pure um, relationship with you that is uncluttered, that is, um, there's nothing that stands between us, Father. And I just thank you that you are a good God, and we trust you, and we entrust ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.